I find that I learn things every time we record a podcast, but I feel like this one I've learned the most. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Career Brand Story, a podcast that provides expert career coaching every week. I'm Jeremy Tudor, and on today's show, we thought we'd get really practical and do some Q&A. So we've asked you across our social media networks what questions you have, and today we're going to answer them. So I want to welcome back Jeb Graff, commercial photographer and creative consultant, and McKay Leslie, our market growth leader here at Career Brand Story. How are you guys doing today? Never Great. better, Jeremy. It's like I never left. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like we just saw each other or something. Yeah, it's How weird. are you, Jeremy? I'm doing great. It's a great day, and I'm excited to get and dive into these kind of questions um, from people. They've, we got some really great questions that came in. Yeah, for sure. So do we just want to go ahead and get started? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, our first question is, um, it says, I submit applications and follow up by email, but I get no response from the companies. Why not? Yeah, so that is a great question because I think a lot of people feel like their resume goes into a black hole. And after you have worked for hours on your resume to realize that it may not get read or that it even gets read in eight to 12 seconds can feel pretty frustrating when you right. put out your heart and soul on a piece of paper. So unfortunately, you know, what you have to recognize is that HR departments, our recruiters, they're receiving many applications and they're just from a workload standpoint, not able to respond to them all. So when you go to apply to a job online, you're going to be one of 250 to 300 people that have applied to that position. Um, and this is particularly true at larger companies with online application processes. Um, in fact, many of these organizations will ask applicants not to follow up with them. Um, and so if you appear to be a desirable applicant, they're going to reach out to you, get in touch with you. If you hear nothing back, it usually means that your application has been screened out. You know, I would tell you that good recruitment and talent acquisition departments um, are going to be really focused on the, ca uh, the candidate experience and really try to touch base even if you get rejected for the job. But in many cases, that's not the case. And I know that's frustrating for applicants. Um, it's one reason that I really believe that you should be focused on networking and not just completing online on applications. Remember, we talk a lot about building a referral network strategy because if you have a referral into the company, you're 50% more likely to land the job versus if you just apply online, it's yeah. all the way down to 3%. Which, That's by the good. way, the referral network strategy episode is just a few episodes back. So if you haven't heard it, go back, check it out. It's a good one. Yeah. And if you follow us on our social media, um, we have um, Dino, the dinosaur, who's working to figure out how to put together a referral network strategy. So he's kind of fun to follow. And uh, we're going to have more episodes of Dino coming out too. So he's just kind of funny. To we love Dino. In the office, sometimes we give a Dino five. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our second question is very similar. Um, this listener says, I keep sending out resumes, but I don't get any interviews. What can I do? Well, so first you have to be sure that your resume is designed to be market ready and results driven. And I'm just going to say that again market ready and results driven. Uh, too many times the resumes that we see come into us are looking exactly like a job description and they might tell me how someone can do the job, 
but they don't really tell me what that person's value is to the business table. And this is why I designed the career brand story method. And it's the first part of the method is how do you make that market resume? And there's two things that you have to include in a market ready resume. Number one is your keywords. Keywords always equal hard skill sets because that's how recruiters search for you. All right. So if you go and you put your applicate your resume, uh, you know, online somewhere, or you uh, put it into an applicant applicant tracking system, an ATS system, um, even if you apply to that job and you don't get that job, your resume is still going to sit in that company's applicant tracking system. And so you want to keep it searchable because a recruiter could go in and use keywords again, hard skill sets, and be able to find you. So really got to focus on those keywords to be hard skill sets. The second thing then is to really focus on making sure that you've got strong results. And the acronym that I like to use is CAR, right? So CAR stands for challenge. What was a challenge that you face? What was an action that you took? That's the A. And then the R, what was the result? So challenge, action, and result. And anytime you can get numbers and metrics in there, that's just going to stand out better on your resume. They're quick. They're easy for people to pick up the facts of exactly who you are. And if you've done that and you are still not getting results, then you need to go and really examine your job search strategies. You know, instead of sending out resumes, um, you know, kind of cold into response to ads, again, going to say it again, it goes back to your networking strategy. Um, who are the referrals? Who are the people in your field? Um, who are the people that you need to develop those referral sources with? The best way to find a job is through personal contacts. And we say it many, many times. That's why we said it in the first question. That's why we say it in the second one. But you've got to learn how to put together a strong referral network strategy. For sure. Um, th that's... Uh... That's like the key. And I don't think people realize that. I think a lot of people, especially, um, you know, my age, I'm in my mid twenties and, um, I think we just kind of throw our resumes out there and hope for the best. And that's just not an effective strategy. Well, the other thing about the referral network strategy is that it allows you to focus your energy on what's most important. Um, so a lot of times clients, they go to a job board and they begin to look for, you know, job opportunities, and they're overwhelmed by the hundred of opportunities that they could apply to. So do you apply to all 100? Well, probably not. You know, do you need to read through all 100? Probably not. Again, if you have a referral network strategy, the referral network strategy always starts with targeting your top companies. Who are you going after versus then just taking this big, like cast as wide of a net and kind of pray and hope, you know, that you'll get kind of a response back. Totally. So this next one is uh, very relatable as someone who's been a student most of my life. This person asks, I had one very short-term job. Should I list it on my resume? Yeah, that's a great question. So if the job lasted no more than a few weeks and up to six months, then omitting it may be okay. Um, any longer than that, though, you may need to explain the gap on your resume and so there could be reasons for you to need to have it on there. Um, a kind of another caveat to this is that sometimes people work part-time jobs along with their full-time jobs, but they not, may not work those full-time jobs 
for like, you know, a long period of time, maybe even a year and a year and a half. Do I include those? I'm probably only going to include those if they're relevant to the job that I'm applying to. Um, and if they provide some type of strategic value, otherwise I'm going to leave those off the resume. Um, you don't ever want to lie to an interviewer. So that's kind of the bottom line is that you want to be truthful and honest. But if you wish, however, you can leave things off the resume and then kind of explain it during the interview if it needs to be explained. Right. So next we have, I'm applying for jobs below the level of my last position. How do I explain this? So the key is not to give any reasons that would cause the interviewer to worry about your behavior, your competency, or your motivation. Mm -hmm. So kind of the rule in HR is that, you know, you don't set a $100,000 person in a $30,000 role and then expect them to stay. But are there times where people might take and step down into a lesser role because maybe that's part of their plan to thrive. Maybe they don't want that responsibility of leading people anymore. Um, they may have been laid off for a really long time. And that honestly could be the option that's in front of them. They may be starting over um, because they're pivoting their career. You know, for a lot of people that have found themselves unemployed right now and on furlough, uh, there's probably some strong motivation on their part uh, to be working again. And they may, as time goes along, be willing to kind of take a lesser role than what they may have had previously. Um, so that means you must give a truthful explanation for why you're attracted to the job they have available. Um, for example, you know, after being a manager for two years, I found that I missed being involved in the technical details of the products. I've realized that being an engineer is what I truly enjoy. So the job really appeals to me. Um, I also think that, you know, for people who are in that position, that the candidate the job seeker should really think carefully about taking a lesser position because you also don't want to walk into that position and three months later, you know, be really frustrated. Um, and I, and I realize that temptation is there, especially if you're unemployed or you're furloughed. Um, but this is again, where I think it's important, you know, to play the long game um, and make sure that it's really the right job for you. Um, obviously, we all have to make financial decisions with our families, um, and sometimes we have to take those bridge jobs. That's necessary, but it's really important to evaluate, you know, your values in that, and does it really align with where, where you're trying to go? Yeah, and it all goes back to our motivators, like we were talking about yesterday. You know, do I want to be happy in my job and uh, make a little less money? Do I want to have more responsibility? going to have less stress, like all those are questions that each individual has to answer for themselves. Yeah, there was a client that I worked with um, probably about a year ago um, that he owned a print shop and uh, he just happened to walk into that kind of business and um, he stayed in it um, because quite honestly, he had um, kids that went through high school and college and he needed to pay for it. And once they completed that, his actual original um, college degree was in nursing, uh, working in the OR. And that's where he wanted to return. But he had been out of it for so many years uh, that he was concerned, you know, can I pivot back to that? Um, but he did. Um, now to pivot back to that, he ended up taking 
he had to step back into a lesser role, but it got him back into the OR. Um, he actually, from a lifestyle standpoint, downsized um, things in his life. And so he also didn't need to make the same amount of money. And once he got fully through that transition, you know, he sent me a message and just said how happy he was in making that. So there's solid reasons why there's times people want to actually step back because it might get them back into something that they really love to do. When maybe you said this earlier and I missed it, but when is the appropriate time to bring that up that why? Is it in the application? Is it in the first interview? When when do you bring that up? So I think it's appropriate, like in kind of the first conversation that you might have with a recruiter. And that's if the question comes up too, you know. Um, so it really kind of depends, you know, um, if if they've picked up on that. So, you know which most likely they probably have if they're looking at your your most recent employment and it might say manager and you're taking a non-management role, they may ask a question around that. I see that you were doing this role, last role was as a manager, you had people management skills and you had this, what might be your motivation for kind of taking a step back? And that's where you would want to answer that honestly. So this is an interesting one. Uh, it says, applications often ask, maybe contact your current employer. Is it okay to say no? Yes, you can say no. <laughs> um, and in fact, most companies are not going to check your references until they're ready to make an offer. Um, I do know that there are some companies in the applicant tracking system, when you go to apply for the job, they will ask for your references. Uh, they're doing that because they're trying to get all this information up front. But many times, even in that process, there's usually a box or there's a way to indicate, please do not contact my current employer. And there's good reasons for them not to contact your current employer because current employer may not know that you're, you know, shopping around for a new okay. job, right? And you, and you don't want to create that conflict. And, and I think that um, every company out here is going to respect that um, so that you can have that conversation when the time is right. Um, and that's the way it should be. Um, the other thing I want to say about references is that when references are checked, companies today will typically only give a yes or no answer to employee verification. Um, many companies even have policies um, about not giving out references. They're not wanting to be held liable um, for giving out any private information. Um, and so it's still important, I think, for you to submit professional references people who can speak to your work. It is also important that these references are on your side, meaning that if they do happen to talk to them, you know, you're, they're going to give you a good review about working with you. But in most cases, it's simply going to be, yes, this person worked here. Yes, this person worked in this role. And that's mm -hmm. about it. That's good. So our next question is, I was fired from my last job. Do I have to say that on applications? This one is spicy. <laughs> so have either one of you ever been fired or terminated from a position? Not in the, not in the fired sense. Um, the company downsized. I was like laid off or let go or whatever, but. Yeah. I've not well, been terminated. Have you? <laughs> um, well, so yes, I have been terminated. I have been terminated. Um, well, so technically every time you quit is a termination. Um, that's the technical HR word. When you quit a job, 
uh, when you, when you're fired, quit, retire, if you got hit by a bus, um, you were terminated. (laughs) (laughs) That ain't right, man. Well, then I should say I haven't been fired. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, I have been let go, uh, for downsizing. I have been let go because of leadership transition. Um, in that sense, but never fired because of my work performance. Um, So here's the deal with this one. Uh, Again, you never want to lie on your application. So apart from moral considerations, as a practical matter, many companies will fire anyone who is later found to have lied on an application or resume. Um, When you fill out that application and you sign your name, that's a you know, legal binding document that you were telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So you need to give the best honest answer possible. Um, And so like I just to say, the the technical HR term is terminated. So fired, quit, retired, you get hit by a bus, you've been terminated. And so you can say that without going into the details that you were just terminated from the role. However, I think the best approach, um, if you were on fairly good terms with like your formal uh, employer is, consider contacting them. Um, see if you can agree on a mutual, you know, acceptable explanation for potential employers. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, if you're free to use, um, you know, any descriptive terms that they agree to, words like fired and even terminated can be kind of these immediate red flags. So if they will allow you to say that you resigned or that you were laid off. And if you were laid off, and especially right now, a lot of people have been laid off or furloughed, um, you can say this, um, that happens. It's understandable. And so reorgs, layoffs are gonna happen. Um, in the end, there's terminations that happen through no fault of your own. And you know, I've experienced uh, being laid off three different times in my life. Yeah. Those are uh, helpful distinctions. And I think not a lot of people would know to reach back to their former employer and say, can we come, can we come to terms on our terms? Yeah. And it actually, if you are being laid off or you're being terminated, right. Um, in that meeting. And I know that when you're sitting in that moment in that meeting, it's usually emotional. And so it's hard to think clearly, But one of the things that you can do right there in the meeting before you sign any papers acknowledging that the termination is happening is try to have that conversation. Uh, So like in one of the offices where I was terminated um, because it was a leadership change, you know, I asked, I said, you know, is there going, is there any issue um, for me to be able to collect unemployment if I need to, right? Because if you are fired from a job, uh, you, you, they can deny you you know, um, unemployment. Right. And so, you know, in that conversation, um, the HR director and the other person who was sitting there, um, with me in that, they said, look, this has nothing to do with your work experience at all. In fact, we're very supportive of you finding another role, um, if available, you know, across, um, the enterprise. Um, but we will also expedite, um, as fast as we can, Um, any unemployment file claims that come through, right? So again, I know it's emotional in those moments and sometimes hard to have that conversation, but it is an important conversation that can save you a lot of headache going forward and put you at ease too, as you begin to look for a new job. Definitely. That's good clarity to have. All right. uh, Next we have, I left my last job because of a problem with my boss. 
Should I talk about that in interviews? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't uh, matter whose fault it was. It's not a good look. Right. Interviews will quickly screen out um, anyone who seems like a potential problem. Yep. So you, that's the whole thing with through your resume, through your interview, is that you do not want to give them reasons to screen you out. And since they have no other information about your former employer, any mention of a conflict with your boss can create this impression that you might be trouble. So find a truthful but less hazardous reason to explain your interest in changing jobs and then consider focusing on the appeal of the new job rather than the problems of the new one. It is never a good idea to go in and bash your old company. Um, it just doesn't speak well. Right. And this kind of plays off of, um, we were talking about how people will ask the strengths and weaknesses question. And if you can kind of spin those. So if you say, um, this is a weakness that I have, but I can see this strength in it. Or, um, if people ask you about, um, you know, what is a mistake that you've made in your career? And if you can talk about the things you've learned from that. So there are things you can spin, but this is not going to be one of them. No, and I, I think the best thing is to really focus on what are you going towards, not right. what you're leaving. You know, um, every company, every job um, has its problems. There's there's no company perfect out here. Okay, not even my company is perfect. I mean, we're nearly perfect. But we're, we're like pretty close. Right, <laughs> but but we ha but you you work with people, you're going to have conflict. Everyone understands that. The maturity is how do you handle that conflict? And there are times in jobs where it's a toxic environment and it's best for you to move on. And, you know, um, you can simply, you know, say a simple phrase that, you know, I learned as much as I could in that position. And I think I'm, it's now time for a new season, um, for me to be challenged in new growing opportunities. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't have to say anything bad about the company. It's, it's about me and my growth and my growth just hit the ceiling. Maybe it hit the ceiling for X, Y, Z reasons, but I don't need to go into all of those reasons. That's good. Th those are good boundaries to know for the interview process. Yep. So this next one says, I have changed jobs a lot. Do you think this is a problem? So I think this one depends. Um, so typically the employee stays at a job for just over four years that was in, according um, to a study in 2018 by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, I would worry more about work gaps in your resume. So again, jobs where you have gaps longer than six to seven months, that's where you need to have a solid reason why you left each job and why you're going to the next. At the end of the day, what you wanna show on your resume is career direction. Mm -hmm. You don't have to show company loyalty. That, that doesn't exist today. Um, the millennial generation, it's probably less than that of them staying in a job, you know, maybe four years. That's probably on the tail end. Um, I see, yeah, we're, we're so transient. Yeah, I see a lot of people, you know, shifting between, you know, two and three years. Um, and then that's a trend. And so, you know, it, there's, and there's lots of reasons we could spend a whole podcast probably just on that trend itself. But um, again, the big piece is like, I, I mean, if you're going to jump jobs every two or three months, that's a problem. That's going to say something to me. 
But if you stayed in that job for like a year and a half, two years, three years, um, and you've just gone to the next one and you're showing career direction, uh, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. If you've yeah. got those long gaps, you better be ready to explain what those long gaps are about. This one cracks me up. Uh, this listener says, do I need a cover letter? <sighs> Jeremy's favorite question to hear as a career coach. And the answer is no. no. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. I get this question every week um, when we're talking to prospective clients. Where's my cover letter? Yeah. Or do I need the cover letter? Um, so like really, I'm just not saying anything more about this one. The answer is just no. No. Moving on. Moving on. How can I find a job while I'm working? It's hard to get away for interviews. Okay. So the first answer is you hire my team. Duh. <laughs> so obviously we, we can expedite and help you with that problem. All right. So conducting a job search when you're working is difficult, but it's not impossible. Um, you just need, you know, to be, I think, well-planned um, and you need to think about, you know, how is your boss going to respond um, to you needing time off. And so there are some bosses who are going to be absolutely supportive. So if anyone on my team today came to me um, and said, hey, I have an interview. In fact, we have currently someone on our team who is interviewing for uh, work and we've coached and we've talked about it and we are absolutely supportive um, because that is just part of our culture is that we want to help people get to where they want to get to. And so this may just be a stopover for some people, mm-hmm. maybe a long-term job for some people. So I think you need to assess what kind of conversation, real conversation can I have with my boss or supervisor? Um, are they going to be supportive or not? Now there's plenty of bosses and supervisors out there um, who are not going to be supportive. And so if you run into that case Um, you know, I think that you can talk to the person that you're supposed to interview and see if you can schedule before or after work or during a lunch break. You know, most people are going to be pretty flexible to see what they can work out. If that's not possible, the reality is, is that, you know, you may need to use your vacation time. So should your boss ask why you need time off, you can just give a general response. I have to meet with someone about some personal business and just leave it at that. Again, you don't need to tell your whole story uh, of what's going on. Um, And if you are one of those people who feels the need to explain everything, that's just something that you really need to curb that tendency. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's the line between honesty and oversharing. That's, That's what a lot of this is about. Yeah, I kind of have the phrase of, you know, I tell people what they need to know when they need to know it, but I don't necessarily need to say everything that I know, right? Um, So It's like um, I have a doctor's appointment, but you don't need to say what kind of doctor's appointment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And and that's where you've just got to judge who you're talking to um, and what kind of details you're going into. Social awareness, right? Hard to come by sometimes. (laughs) That's when you like stop your grocery cart right in the middle of the aisle, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. 
and you tell them why you need tomorrow off and your boss won't let you off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think this might be our last question. Um, This listener asks, when looking at switching careers or jobs, what are some important questions about the job or the company to ask during the recruitment and interview process? Yeah. So I think, you know, we could easily kind of answer this and say, well, the basic questions, you know, look on the website, find out a little bit more about the company, but there are kind of two favorite ones that I like to ask. Um, So one of my favorite questions to ask is with the hiring manager. um, And even if it's a panel interview, say there's like two or three people, I actually like to get this response from everybody in the room, but I will ask them, what has been a career highlight for you working at this company? Um, Because I want to know that the hiring manager actually loves where they work and that they've been successful and, you know, they can point back to some moments that they felt really good about their job. I think that that's very telling. Um, When I have used that in interviewing, um, the hiring managers have almost come back a little bit surprised, like, oh, no one's asked me that question. And they have to give pause and kind of think about it. But there are, in most cases where I've asked that, they've been pretty delighted delighted to have to answer that kind of question. Yeah, definitely. And kind of think about it. Uh, The other great question that I really like to ask is, well, what's one of the greatest challenges that you faced while working for this company? You know, and I'm listening for basically, you know, how did they overcome the challenges? Did they have support from their leadership? Mm -hmm. Um, Did they, did they actually make it through um, with it? Um, And, you know, what did that look like? And you can get just by having them answer those kind of two questions, you're going to get a good idea of what success looks like in that company, but it, hopefully you'll also get an idea of what failure looks like in that company. Um, and I think that that's a really important two areas that I want to know because, hey, I'm going to succeed some days and I'm going to fail some days. And I kind of want to know what that's going to look like for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by asking those questions, you're asking behavioral questions of them. So you're kind of learning how they handled something in the past and their success and how they might've handled something. Maybe they overcome the challenge. I could be successful, but you may also learn how they overcame even challenges or failures as well. That's good. I would not have thought on that. I thought of that on my own. That's why I'm here. (laughs) He's a professional folks. I think that does it as far as questions from our listeners. I, I find that I learn things every time we record a podcast, but I feel like this one I've learned the most. Yeah. So um, hopefully we'll continue to do these Q and A's. Um, so if any of our listeners have questions, um, we'd love to hear them so they can connect with us on our social media um, and be able to let us know what their questions are. For sure. Doesn't stop here. McKay. Our, oh, go Jeb. ahead. What do you want to be when you grow up? Hi, everyone. My name's Abby, and I'm a social media marketer at Jeremy Tudor LLC, and I have a career tip for you today. Have you ever filled out a job application and submitted your resume to a company and then never heard back? The problem may not have been that you're unqualified for the position. The issue oftentimes lies with your resume. It's tempting to make your resume beautiful and elaborate, but next time try keeping it simple. Don't use photos, graphics, colored text, or even text boxes, as all of these are camouflage for applicant tracking systems. 
Don't let your resume get lost in the system. Aim for quality and simplicity. Use keywords focused on hard skill sets and create accomplishments that are results driven. These small steps are sure to make a big difference. Do you have questions about wills, trusts, probate, elder law, divorce, or other legal issues? The law and legal system can be confusing and overwhelming when you're facing it alone. That's why 6-8 Legal Group, PLLC, and founding attorney Mark Garland are here to help. Our unique approach seeks to improve access to legal services by allowing you to select the level of legal assistance that fits your needs and budget. Sometimes that means we provide full-service representation, handling everything from start to finish. Other times, it means we provide advice and coaching as you represent yourself. Ultimately, our goal is to craft creative, competent, compassionate solutions for your legal problems. We keep our caseload intentionally small so that you receive the personal attention you deserve. After all, it's not just another legal problem. It's your life. Check us out at 68legal.com. That's numerals 68legal.com. I had to answer it on the last podcast. It's your turn. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't I didn't want to answer that. Too bad. So you thought sad. we forgot. <laughs> um, okay. So I have been mulling it over a little bit. I really do enjoy um high energy workspaces. I enjoy person to person contact. Um, and I enjoy flexibility. So you want to be a football player? Yes. I was going monster truck driver. Mm. <laughs> Both actually just different seasons oh, yeah, makes sense. of the year. But no, I think that I really enjoy project management. Um, I like being able to solve problems. Um, and yeah, so that is, an option. Um, also, I don't know if our listeners know this about me or not, but I'm actually in seminary getting my master's of divinity. And um, another potential career path that I could see for myself is uh, being a hospital or VA or hospice chaplain. Um, chaplaincy is something that I feel really passionately about being able to care for people um, in their darkest moments of life. I think that's really important work. So Whatever's in between those two is what I want to be. What I was hoping, not to malign divinity, but I was thinking about the delicious candy that you get at Christmas. Oh, like the, the like your great aunt Sally makes or something. Well, my wife makes great <laughs> divinity and she's not my great aunt, but that's neither here nor there. But she makes really good divinity. And I thought, wow, you can get a master's in divinity. Yeah, you can. Whatever people don't know what that is, which is quite often, I just tell them I'm becoming divine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <I've laughs> we will have to have a confessions podcast. No kidding. <laughs> to talk about. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, t I'm currently taking confessions if anyone has any. So. Great, great. Well, hey, if you liked what you heard today, you can hear more every week from us by opting into our newsletter. 
simply go to jeremytutor.com to sign up today. We promise we're not going to spam your inbox. We simply send one email each week with our expert career coaching advice. And by the way, if you're wondering where you can follow, like, comment, uh, you can find me on Facebook. Just search Jeremy Tutor. On Instagram, it's going to be at Jeremy T. Tutor. And LinkedIn, just search for Jeremy Tutor. And if you don't like to listen to the podcast, but you want to take in the whole experience and you actually want to watch us, you can go to the YouTube and you can find us. Just search Jeremy Tudor, or career brand story, uh, and we'll come right up. Go to the YouTube, folks. You can see Jeb's mask beard. When you're yeah. on YouTube, you're supposed to say like, smash that like and subscribe bruh, and hit smash the notifications bell <laughs> to make sure that you get all of our updates. I actually like watching it on YouTube better. So um, it's kind of fun. So check it out. Go to the YouTube and smash it. Is that how I'm supposed to say it? <laughs> yep, that's perfect. Close Jeremy. enough. Close <laughs> enough. I'll keep practicing. All right. Thanks for tuning in and keep thriving. Thanks, everyone. Do 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 do